to our guests that are with us this morning. Perhaps you're new to Bethel. Brother Justin, if you'll put that uh, scripture up there for me. Our, our verse of purpose for this year is found in Acts chapter number 6. It is verse number 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Our purpose verse and the word and everything that I have been preaching and leading us into this year and I believe beyond um, is all summed up in the word multiplied. As of late, I've enjoyed preaching about multiplied. I've enjoyed preaching about getting loud and having a party. And so this morning, I'm going to just continue in the same theme. I don't think there's a tambourine here, is there? No, that was left at home for the children. If you are a guest this morning, one of my lovely saints that loves me very much, I had said something about there's only an appropriate time, and there are few and far between for tambourines, and so a Sunday morning she decided she's just going to bring a tambourine in and then takes it away from me at the end of service and said, this is for my kids. <laughs> we are going to continue that theme this morning. We are jumping into a heated dialogue between the king of Israel and Elisha. I will be reading from 2 Kings chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. 2 Kings 7, verse 1 through 6. I'm reading from the New King James this morning. It says, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. It's wonderful whenever someone says, Hear the word of the Lord, and then immediately follows it with, Thus says the word of the Lord. There have been those moments that someone says, this is what the word of the Lord is for you, and then they just stand there for a little bit. <laughs> Don't make me wait. Tell me what it is. you know. But immediately he follows it up with, thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a, sea of fl a fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and, and two seeds of barley for a shekel in the, at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it, Elisha, speaking to the man, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. I love that. That's, that's, that's like wonderful logic. If they keep us alive, we're going to live. It's one of those like little mind-blowing explosions like I have all of the time. That's something I would... If they keep us alive, you know, we're going to still be alive. But if they kill us, you know what? Yeah, we're going to be dead. If they kill us, guess what? We're going to be dead. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said one to another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. 
The Lord caused him to hear the noise of chariots, the noise of horses, and the noise of a great army. For the next few minutes, I'm going to preach this title, Noise Multiplied. Noise Multiplied. If you have your Bibles, if you'd like to put those down, if not, would you just lift your hands to the heavens right now? God, we come before you. I know, I know what you have spoken to me. There have been multiple signs. There have been multiple signs of confirmation. I simply ask, God, that you would anoint me and give me wisdom to speak your word and that you would anoint our ears to hear and let us be receptive and then let us respond to what the word says. In your name we pray and everyone said amen. And you may be seated. We are first introduced to the heroes of our story as they sit at the entrance of the gate. Now, you may ask yourself, why are the heroes of our story, and most of you already know because I just read it, they're lepers, but why are you calling them heroes and why are they sitting at the gate? It wasn't because they like to watch people. That used to be one of my favorite things to do, especially at Christmas time. Kim would get together and some of her family would go. And, and I remember her cousin Sean, we would go and they, the rest of the family would just go on, Brother Cameron, and they would just be walking around the mall. And me and Sean would find a place to sit, just kind of back and just watch everybody as they went by. Can you believe? Wow, did they really leave the house? And, you, know, you, you know, commentary, we're like, like sportscasters. Yeah, Sean, can you believe what they're wearing today? My goodness, did they even look in the mirror? I'm telling you, Greg, I don't know if they can see or not. You can't, see the, you can't say those things now because, I mean, someone's going to come up and they're going to call the police or whatever else. And, I mean, believe me, okay, I'm not saying they don't. Look, I was in the mall not too long ago, I, and it was before Easter, but there was a person walking around and they were dressed basically like a cat. I mean, I don't, I mean, you know, you don't just go up to a strange cat. They're going to hiss at you or something, so I kept my distance. <laughs> but I couldn't help but look. You know, you get too close, they're going to start arching their back. You know, I'm just, stay over here on my side of the aisle. You just keep walking. You don't, you don't do those things anymore. That's not why they were at the gate. I mean, it, it, as a teenager... I worked at a place called McDonald's. We did not have very many restaurants in the town of Spring Hill, but we opened at 5 a.m. Every morning there were a group of men at 5 o'clock, actually before, by 4.45, they were waiting at the door. And if you did not have that door unlocked at 5 o'clock by their watch, not the McDonald's watch, not the one that said Ray A. Crock on it with a picture of him underneath it, not, not, not by that one, but by their watch, they're, they're just knocking on the glass. Go over there and Janet, little lady, she's worked there forever. And finally, just she'd open the door. And she's so polite. She's so nice. I, she's just one of those people that I've never seen her really get angry. 
except maybe once, and it had to be something really, really bad. And she was just, oh, just come on in, you know, just all nice. And they're all like, you're late. You know, my watch says 501. And she's like, oh, we're still trying. They'd, they'd come in, and they, they'd, they'd put their money down. They had it. They knew exactly what they were going to order. They, they, they knew exactly what it was down to the penny. And if you tried to charge them more, they're just, nope, that's not the right price. I've already got my $1.17 right here on the counter. Because they had their senior coffee. I remember there was one time that we had a new guy that he was working. He just car- he, he charged them a small coffee. And the small coffee was like 80-something cents. And, and the guy just put out 27 cents because that was a senior cup of coffee. And the guy just stood there. I'm not paying that. It's 27 cents. He starts calling over managers. This was long before the term Karen was involved. This was long before anyone like that had a certain hair. This guy just like... He was not a Karen. He was like the he was a Karen father. He was one of those that just like he was calling the manager over. Hey Donna, come on over here. This is not what I'm paying for a cup of coffee. I mean, it was like whenever one of them would walk in, they knew them all by name. Everybody, they probably grew up together in that little video town, and and they would walk in. I mean, it literally it was like Cheers. You know, the one guy that's always late that walks in, Norm. Except for it was usually Mr. George. Mr. George would walk in, and I think he kind of, he, he always had on way too much cologne. Like, way too much. Like, the cologne would get through the door as he's pulling into the parking lot. That's how much cologne he had on. Mr. George is here, just smelled him. He pulled in. He'd walk in, and George, you know, and, and everybody would be excited, and he'd come in, he'd get a sausage biscuit and, and his, uh, his senior cup of coffee, and he'd pull out the change, put it on the counter, and then they would be there for two, three hours, and then about 2, 2.30 in the afternoon, they would come back, and they would all come in, and Mr. George is the one that sticks out in my mind because he was, uh, it was just Mr. George. He'd walk up to the counter and he'd put his 27 cents out there and he'd, he'd get his new cup and he'd look at the coffee and say, how old is that coffee? <laughs> you know, even if it was made within like the last 10 minutes. No, Marty, even if it was made in the last 10 minutes. We just, it just brewed because of your friends. They're around the corner. They, no, nope, I'm going to need a fresh pot. <laughs> and Janet was usually still there. Okay, Mr. George. <laughs> and then you know what that joker would do? push the change back and then he would walk away and just leave his cup sitting there and go talk to his friends because apparently McDonald's was a full service restaurant (laughs) these jokers were spoiled I did not spoil them in fact I left their cup of coffee sitting on the stainless steel countertop there and I just went about my business and Mr. George came around the corner and says you didn't bring me my coffee I said I know it's right there the manager, Donna, she was like, I've waited so long for someone to do that, but I can't do that. <laughs> These guys were there because they wanted to be there. There were not a lot of places to hang out in Spring Hill, so their options were limited, but they chose to be there. They chose to be there in the morning at a certain time. They chose to be there in the afternoon at a certain time. Our heroes in our story this morning, they had no choice in where they were. They had no choice but to be outside of the gate the morning in question. They did not get up, check their phone, and have a text message from one of them and say, Hey, uh, honey, I'm going over to the gate to sit out there with all of the fellows. No, these guys were lepers. They were forced to live 
outside of the gate. Levitical law tells us in, in Leviticus 13, 4 and 5, it says 45 and 46, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and, and shall cry, Unclean, unclean, all the days wherein the plague shall be in him. He shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone without the camp. Shall his habitation be. They had no choice in where they were. Numbers 5, 2 to 4 says, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper, everyone who has a discharge and whoever becomes defiled by a corpse. You shall put out both male and female. You shall put them outside the camp. And they may not, that they may not defile the camps in the midst of which I dwell. And the children of Israel did so. They put them all outside the camp. They had no choice in where they lived. We do not know the name of these four men. There is a Jewish tradition I kind of like to study and, and dig in a little bit to these kind of stories and see what maybe like historians kind of tell us. And, and it can't be proven, but there is a theory out that these four men were actually Gehazi and his three sons because Gehazi was afflict, afflicted with leprosy. And in 2 Kings 5 and 27, Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And so there is this theory, while we can't prove it, it sure does make fun parts of the story. When you start seeing who these people could be, you study. I, I like to study scripture because I don't like to just have what it says and, and just say, well, you know, my understanding. I like to be able to dig into it and understand what thus saith the word of the Lord. If I can understand it in context, if I can understand what's going on, not only can I hopefully preach a little bit better message, I, I can also get what God is trying to give us because there's nothing in the Word of God that's there by chance. Every, every verse, every word, every, every story, every parable, it all matters. These men stayed at the entrance of the gate because they were not welcome in the city. They were leprous. Their, their condition, it caused them to be outcast. They were, not, they, they were untouchable. The last time we, we, that, that they could actually hug their child, it had probably been years because they had to live outside and they could not be touched and they could not touch anyone else. And, and so they lived outside of the city and the only way that they could have food is if someone was charitable enough that they would give them food or they would find scraps. And so they waited for people to come by and, and they would hand out food or they would throw food away and they would find it. They were living off of the charity of everyone else. The problem with that is what's going on on the other side of the gate. We know it's bad on the outside because that's where the lepers are, but in 2 Kings 6, King Benadad had gathered his entire army and he had surrounded, or the Bible says he had besieged Samaria and because of this, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long, the Bible says, that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. I also kind of looked into that too because is there any way that that could be what it just says? There are two sides of the coin. One of them says it's exactly what it says, and the other one says that it's a wild root. Just to make you feel better before we go on to lunch, it's a wild root. Things were so bad on the inside of the, of the city that 
parents were actually eating their children and the king of Israel is out and they, these two women they come running up to him and he's like what, what's wrong tell me what, what, what's causing all of this distress what's going on and the one mother says that we agreed we would eat our children mine today and hers tomorrow and, and we, we ate my child and whenever I went to her so that we could eat her child she's hidden her child and the king cries out and he rips his clothes and, and he's just in so much agony that we find him he's walking around the walls of the city and he's covered he's in burlap and he's walking it's like he's in mourning and he is under so much stress that he's talking to himself and the people can hear him say that I'm going to cut off Elisha's head they're so bad that when Elisha gives a word that abundance is coming there are those that can't believe that abundance is coming. Have you ever been there that things were so bad in your life? There's so much chaos and confusion. You've, ex you've experienced so much pain and suffering or even depression that when the word of God comes forth, there's some part of you that you've got to the place that you can't even believe that it's for you anymore. I'm here to tell you that it's for you this morning. I'm here to tell you that his peace is for you. His comfort is for you. And what he said he will do, he will do. Don't worry about what's going on outside the walls. Don't worry about what's going on even in your own home. Just stand fast and hold to the word of God because it will always come to pass. It will always be true. The assistant to the king looks at Elijah and says, look, all this abundant stuff, there's no way that that could happen. Not even if God opened the windows of heaven and just let it rain down. There's no way. And Elisha looks at him and says, you're going to see it with your own eyes, but you'll never taste it. And that's what's happening on the inside of the gate. On the inside of the city, it's chaos, it's pain, it's suffering. Just what if you can imagine what they're going through uh, it's probably a hundred times worse uh, than what we could ever imagine I don't I don't know how bad it would have to be for a mother to kill and eat her own child I, I can't imagine the situation of what they are going through uh, but everything that they are going through uh, the men on the outside of the gate are sitting there and they're alone they don't have their family they don't have anyone giving them anything they're just sitting there and all they know is that the Syrian army is surrounding them and they look to each other and one of them says you know what George why why would we sit here until we die if we go in the city not only are we not welcome but the same famine that we've got out here is on the inside of the city. So we're going to either die of the famine or we're going to die because they kill us because we can't go inside. So we're going to die if we go into the city. If we sit here, we're going to die. But if we go and surrender ourselves to the Syrian army, then maybe, just maybe, it'll either be a real quick death because they'll kill us but we can never get to the walls. Or maybe they'll show a little bit of mercy and we'll have a little bit of something to eat. 
eat. They had no idea that Elisha had just prophesied about abundance. They had no idea that the word of the Lord had went forth. All they knew is I can't just sit here where I'm at. And so in their weakened condition, they started to make their way toward the Syrian camp. They probably had lost a few fingers, maybe a few toes. Maybe Mr. George had lost his nose. He couldn't smell. That's why he had so much cologne on. They were beginning to make their way and they were walking and then suddenly as they were getting there they are not made whole they are not healed but as they go The Bible says the Lord made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots, a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites, the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Can I tell you something this morning? You may not be made whole. You may still have, you may still have bruises and you still may be burdened and beaten and you may still feel your hurt. You still may be weary. Maybe you're just at the place that you're saying, I just can't stay where I'm at anymore I'm weary in well doing I've done everything that I can the enemy's got a stronghold in my family if you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself maybe you've even had the conversation that said I'm going to give it one more chance I'm just going to worship one more time if you'll respond to him this morning what you're going through God is going to begin to multiply it the enemy I know what you're thinking the enemy's not going to hear my weak worship it's not going to hear my weak praise but I want to tell you that God is about to multiply and what you're doing is you're creating a noise that God can use you're creating an atmosphere that God can multiply there's got to be somebody that said I'm not satisfied where I'm at I've got to let somebody know that I'm not sitting out here until I die I'm going to walk all I know is I've got to do something can sit around and we can debate about how bad things are we can sit around and we can debate and we can wonder and we can worry about how everything is going on I'm here to let somebody know that if you will begin to worship him you may not be whole you may not be as strong as you want to be but if you'll begin to worship him there's something that happens in the atmosphere that the God of all creation begins to come down and whenever we're saying hallelujah the enemy is hearing a voice he's hearing a roar he's hearing a thunder he's hearing a heavenly host he's hearing the angels of heaven as they come down I'm telling you there's nothing that can stop a worshiper there's nothing that can stop a prayer there's nothing that can stop somebody that says I won't sit here until I die I'm gonna pray until my family's saved I'm gonna worship until I feel him I'm gonna bless his holy name We can come to church, we can have church as usual, we can look around and we can say, oh wow, I love what's going on, I love the updates, I love the new carpet, I love the new roof, I love what's about to happen, and we can get so comfortable in all of that, that we still sit here until we die, but there's got to be somebody that looks beyond it and says, I'm not satisfied with the status quo, I'm not satisfied with the way that it's been, my family's got to be saved. This city's got to be saved. There's got to be somebody that cares enough, that's hungry enough, that says, I'm going to get up and I'm going to move. I'm so hungry for a move of God that I'm willing to take a step into the unknown. 
towards the enemy's camp was the only place that they were not certain of the outcome. This is the gate. It's a pretty gate. Sitting here, the four fellows, they're sitting here. They know the outcome of there. We go in there, we're dead. We sit here, we're dead. But if we start walking that way, just if. What's that? What's that scripture? Oh, yeah. We walk by faith. Not by sight. Oh, what are you doing, Mr. George? Oh, I'm just about to start walking by faith. Uh, what, are, what are you doing? It's, it's taking you a while to get moving at first. I, oh, it's not about the speed, son. It's about that I'm moving in the same direction as God. It's all about that I'm moving towards Him. I need somebody this morning. You have looked at everything around you. You have looked at every situation. And you know that if I stay here, this is what happens. If I go there, this is what happens. But if I will take a step towards God, there is an unknown. And there's a possibility I'll fall flat. But there's also another possibility that God will meet me where I am. And He will begin to multiply the noise. And what I think is just a hallelujah. Suddenly, there's a heavenly hope. He opens my eyes that I can see and let me hear the power of what is walking. So what are you doing, Greg? Every time that I preach, I'm trying to walk into the unknown. Every time that I pray, I'm trying to step into the unknown. Every time that we have Bible study on Wednesday nights, I'm trying to encourage and push us into the unknown. But we're comfortable where we are. But we're going to die if we stay where we are. Somebody's got to get up and say, I'm ready to walk into the unknown. I'm ready to walk out in faith. I'm ready to take a step forward. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that I'm never going to be alone because lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world, says the Lord. Oh, somebody hear me. Though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, not because I feel good, but because thou art with me. I'm not here to preach about how we feel. Because these fellows, they never lifted a sword. Nowhere in Scripture do we find that God gave them extraordinary strength. There was not an unction that flowed to them. They did not shake themselves as Samson. No. They're still leprous, they're still outcast. And here's something that we never preach about, but I feel that it's, it's important. Did you know that God did not heal them? We, we get right to what happens on the road with all of the, the horses and chariots. And God didn't even heal them of what was going on in their life. He did not. They didn't look, there was, there's no part of the story that tells us that Mr. George, where he had lost his nose, starts going, man, who's got so much cologne on? A 
God knows that. No, no. They, nothing changed. They were still lepers. They were still outcasts. But because they did something, God multiplied the noise. What are you saying? I'm saying this, that in the middle of your chaos and pain, even if God doesn't change it, even if God doesn't see fit to heal, there's something that God will use it. He doesn't waste anything. You've just got to keep walking. We can't blame our situations. We can't blame our hurts. We can't blame our pains. There's got to be something on the inside of someone that says I'm going to walk because they did something God multiplied the noise that word noise it's like I want to know what that means I mean as a kid I heard about noise all the time stop making all that noise <laughs> As an adult, I've probably heard. <laughs> Stop making all that noise. <laughs> been a few times I think Kim has been trying to practice. <laughs> she just basically, I think I had a compressor or something was running. I was doing work in the house and just trying to get everything done. And she's, Stop making all that noise. Can't even hear myself think. I was like, you're playing the piano. How can you even hear it? Because of all the noise you're making. <laughs> so I knew what that kind of noise was. But what is this noise? The word noise in that scripture, it means a roar. The sound of great waters. It means thunder. It also means the sound of instruments. It kind of reminds me of what John said he heard. The book of Revelation 14 and 2. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters as the voice of great thunder. I heard a voice of harpers harping with their harps. Can I tell you what happens whenever you decide to take a step towards God? The very voice of God begins to speak on your behalf. The very voice of God that says, let there be, and there was. Suddenly, that's all that the enemy hears. All that he hears is God saying, that's my child. That's my child. That's my child. Can I tell you that when God speaks, because of your faith when you begin to walk out when you don't know what's going to happen but you still step out in faith the word of God will begin to speak and the things the enemy is going to try to attack you with they are going to run why? because the voice of God has spoken It's not just something that's that's just some random noise. It's not just a random word. No, because the enemy they could not they could not understand. They couldn't decipher what they heard. All they could hear is the sound of horses and chariots and a great army. But God is the one that was beginning to make the noise happen. Can I tell you that the enemy of your soul he knows exactly what he hears because he's already heard that voice and that. That voice has already told him once and that's all it took go and he had to fall like lightning from heaven I'm telling you whenever you begin to worship and that voice begins to speak the very angels in hell the very demons in hell hell and all of the devils they begin
begin to quake. Why? Because they know the authority that belongs to that name. They know the authority that comes with that voice. Is there anybody that's willing to say, I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I'm going to walk in faith. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just walking in faith. I wonder, I wonder this morning if you understand how powerful your decision is to not just settle where you are. How powerful it is whenever you decide you're going to move. You look at your situation and I know you're surrounded. You know that you're surrounded feels like everywhere that you go, you look on your right hand, you look on your left, everywhere that you go, it's it's just like everyone, everything around you, you feel 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 9, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. I know it looks bad, but you've got to grab a hold of the first part of that verse we have this treasure in our earthen vessels it may look bad but it's not it may look horrible but it's not it may look hopeless but it's not because we have the presence of an almighty God that is with us verse 8 of our scripture and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp they went into one tent and they did eat and drink, and they took silver and gold and raiment and hid it. And they came again to another tent, and these boys were hungry because they did it all over again. Without ever firing a shot, without a horse, without a chariot, the enemy was gone. I don't know how long it took, but one of them began to look around at the spoils one of them began to look around at the blessings that they were receiving and finally they just said guys this is great this is wonderful but it's not right verse 9 finally they said to each other this is not right this is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone if, if we wait until morning, some calamity will befall us. It's going to come on us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace they weren't healed. They weren't whole. They were still lepers. They were still outcast. They were still not welcome in the city. But when they looked at what God had just done for them, in the middle of all of that, they weren't concerned that they were lepers. They weren't concerned that they were outcast. They weren't concerned that they were still hurt. They weren't concerned that they were still rejected. They weren't concerned with any of that. All they were concerned with is I've still got family on the inside of those walls. I've still got a wife on the inside 
inside of those walls. I've still got children on the inside of those walls. I've got grandbabies. I've got brothers and sisters. And they're dying. They're dying of famine right now. I've heard they're eating their own children. They're dying. We can't sit here with all of this. Even though we're broken, we've got to let somebody know that there's hope. There's deliverance. There's freedom. Can I ask you this morning, are you willing to look past the hurt? Are you willing to look past the pain? Are you willing to look past the rejection? Are you willing to let go of the bitterness and realize there's a world that needs you? There's a world that's got to have you. There's a world that is hungry and dying and is going to go to hell. It's not enough to get up and walk. Oh, to feel the blessings that we felt a little bit earlier. There's got to be somebody that says this blessing, this blessing, oh, I'm all excited about this blessing, but it's not enough for me to hold it to myself. What really matters is there's a God that loves you. There's a God that cares. I've got to look beyond my own hurts. I've got to look beyond my own needs. And I've got to get a hold of a burden that says they're hungry and dying. And I've got the answer. Is there anybody that's willing to let go of your bitterness and pain and be willing to reach for a world that's lost, a world that is dying, a world that doesn't have hope, the world that is completely surrounded. See, oh, it's all about the noise being multiplied. I know I would have loved to just stayed about the noise being multiplied. Jonathan Perry, I remember. I was a young kid. I was, I was, I had hair. My brother had hair. I only say that because he's part of the story. We were having a children's revival with Jonathan Perry. We were in the old church. Eddie had to work, but I remember this. These moments matter. We were in the old church across the street. Jonathan Perry is up there, and he's telling this story. It's amazing, like, little th- certain things stick out to you. And, and Jonathan's up there, and he's telling the story how that God had just took the microphones. I heard a preacher basically give the same il- illustration. He was telling how they taught him in Sunday school yesterday, and I, I couldn't help but think of Jonathan Perry. He's up there, and he's saying, God took all the sound systems in heaven and put it up there, and with each step, it was this, you know, this everything was. I would have loved to stayed on the noise because we can get all excited about the noise. Because when the noise, oh, at the end of that, there's a blessing. Woo. But what do we do after the blessing? Because the story doesn't end at the blessing. The story doesn't end there. They had to look beyond themselves and they had to look and say, you know what? This is the real danger of what they were in. There could have been watchmen on the walls and as those lepers were coming, they could have been telling them, we will kill you, we will shoot you down, you are not welcome here, you have to stay outside of the gate, you have to be in your tents, you have to stay in the leper colony, you can't come here. But they were willing to take the chance because someone 
on the other side of that gate needed what they had. Bethel, someone on the other side of this gate needs what you have. We're on the end. We've been on the outside of the gate. We've all been hurt. We've all been rejected. Believe me. Believe me. These men are heroes. They are not just lepers. They are heroes because they were willing to say, even though I'm broken and God hasn't healed me yet, even though I haven't got all of the prayers answered yet, I'm going to go to someone and let them know that there's still an answer for you. Bethel, there's got to be somebody that gets a burden that's willing to get a hold of God to the place that you're not just sitting here satisfied with the blessings, satisfied with what God is doing. You've got to look around you and say, this isn't right. We've got to share it with someone else because someone else is broken. You want to know how powerful it is if you will, if you will get up and not be satisfied with where you are? Those four lepers, they had no clue that Elisha had given a word from the Lord. They didn't know that Elisha had just told them that by this time tomorrow, all of that stuff you were just paying for, you're going to be spending pennies on the dollar. They had no clue that the word of the Lord had just went out. But can I tell someone that as soon as they decided to go, that's why God began to walk with them. I don't know who it is that's, that's hearing me, but I need you to listen close. There's someone on the other side of these four walls, and they've been praying for someone to come to them. They've been praying, and the word of the Lord has come to them. It was in the middle of the night. It was in a dream. It was from something that they have felt and God has told them that at this time tomorrow at this time within the next few days there's going to be someone that's going to bring the answer for you we can't afford to stay at the gate we can't afford to stay at the gate somebody's got to get up and go why? because somebody is relying on you somebody needs your word going to teach this last Wednesday and this coming Wednesday night but I'm just going to say it here the 3% of your week matters we're in the house of God for maybe 3% of our entire week it's actually less than that but I rounded up so we feel better it's actually 2 point something couple hours on Sunday, if we come to prayer on Monday and an hour on Wednesday, it's 3% of our time. But in that 3%, it's so important because there may be someone here that's broken. There may be someone here that has been praying and you're the one that's going to reach them. You're the one that's going to help them. You're the one that's going to care about them. That's why it's so important. I'm not here because of a number. I'm not here because of all of that. But I'm here because there's somebody that might be broken. There's
there's someone that's going to walk in those doors, whether it's a Monday night in prayer, a Wednesday night Bible study, or a Sunday morning service. It matters whether you're here or not. It matters why. Because there's somebody that the word of the Lord has went to, and you are the fulfillment of that promise. You're the fulfillment. The fulfillment you're the fulfillment you're the one that's going to lead them to blessings you're the one that's going to lead them to freedom you're the one that's going to lead them to healing how important is it that you are here nothing happens by chance but God ordained time and moment that's how important it is. That's how important it is. Oh, please get your feel. I want you to get your feel, but don't forget the city. Celebrate the noise. Celebrate that he's multiplying the noise. Celebrate it. Go from tent to tent. What do they got in that tent? Oh, they've got fried chicken and mashed potatoes and extra gravy. What's in your tent? Oh, I've got all of this crawfish. It's a tent I want to be in. <laughs> Celebrate it. But in the middle of your celebrating, don't forget that there's a world that's lost. There's a world that's broken. There's a world that needs what you have. Oh, but pastor, I'm not completely healed yet. It's not about you. It's about them. I'm not where I need to be yet. It's not about you. It's about them. Is there anybody that can look beyond yourself and care enough for someone else that God can use you? close with this as they come to the music when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven suddenly that all the house wherein they were sitting. The sound filled the house. The sound filled the house where they were sitting. It appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. That's what's going on inside the house. Inside the house, it's rocking. Inside the house. The song we, they sang in Louisiana Camp Meeting, there's a wind blowing, blowing every day and every hour. Let me tell you what it can do if you let it blow on you. It'll fill you with his mighty power. That's what's going on inside the house. The wind's blowing. Fire's falling. But outside of the house, there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised 
the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Somehow, some way, the sound that was in the house got outside of the walls and became a noise. And what started as a sound in here became a noise of the Holy Ghost out there. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that in here it's the sound of a rushing mighty wind, but out there it's the noise of many waters. It's the voice of an almighty God. And if we're willing to let it outside of these walls, we started with a prayer meeting of 120. All of a sudden, it multiplied. And it began to fulfill the prophecy of Joel. Peter steps up and says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Can we stand? It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men see visions. Your old men, they're going to dream dreams. On my servants and handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. What starts as a sound, what starts as something small, what starts as a prayer meeting, what starts as just a decision to lift your hand, decision to say hallelujah a decision to clap a decision to come to the altar it's just in here it's just a wind but when it gets outside of these four walls there's a noise that gets multiplied and just a few chapters later in Acts chapter number 6 the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. What started as a sound got multiplied into a noise. Multiplied. Come and bow our heads. Because before we can ever get to that, saying, Pastor, I've, I've decided. I, I've got up. I, I've moved. I've, I've... He's touched me. Oh, he's touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Let it, let it touch. Let it strengthen. Let it heal. But let something convict you that says, this isn't right. Someone else needs what I've got. I want you to think of the one that hurt you. And pray for them right now. Come on, Bethel. 
in the Holy Ghost. I know I don't have to tell you, but it's the same ones that pushed them outside of the city. Oh, uh, there, there are those excuses that they can say, oh, but it's Levitical law. We didn't have a choice. It's what, it's what Moses taught us to do. We're just doing what you told Moses to do. We're just fulfilling the law of Moses. We're just doing, it's all right. Come on. Everybody's got a reason. Everybody's got a, it's not until we learn to pray for those that have hurt us. Pray for those that have broken us. And realize that there's an eternal destination for their soul. And we've got to let go of the bitterness. You know how you let go of the bitterness? You start praying for the one. <laughs> you start praying for the one. I can't help, and this is just my imagination, but I can't help but think that maybe when they're beating on that gate, the first face that they see is the last one that they saw that was shoving them outside of the gate. And maybe, just maybe, there was something on the inside that says, I'm not going to tell him. But then there was something else that said, it's not right to keep what we've got. You've got to hear me. I know you're not going to believe it, but we've got what you need. We love you enough to share. Bethel, is there anybody that says, I want to get closer to him? Is there anybody that says, God, I'm hungry right now and I need a touch and I'm going to make a step towards you? Is there anybody that will come to this front and make it an altar? Is there anybody that's willing to say, I need thee, oh, I need thee. The only thing that's certain is if I stay where I'm at, I'm going to die. I can't go backwards because there's nothing to go back to. But if I, I take a step, you can use it if I take a step, and oh, baby, Maybe you're far enough along in this that you've already made those steps. You've already started feeling His presence. You're already feeling the strength. You're already feeling the peace. Would you ask God to give you the strength right now to begin to pray for those that have hurt you? Pray for those that have wrongly accused. Pray for those. Bethel, we can't be a hospital unless we truly, unless we treat the root cause of what to be hurt we've got to get rid of it we've got to let God heal it come on it'll never happen until we address it in the Holy Ghost oh I'm excited about the noise but I want to burn it for those that are still in the city Heart, speak to me. You can use anything. 
wash over you. Let him wash over you. Take my hands, take my feet, touch my heart, speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord. 